I invite you to remain standing just as we pray now. Father God, we thank you for these ancient words of ours that we can find within our Bibles. We thank you for the words that remind us that you are the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We thank you for the reminder that you hold all things in your hands and that, Father, we can trust you for them. Lord, be with us, we pray, as we offer ourselves afresh again to you. Amen. Amen. Please take your seats. And uh, just before Matt comes to read uh, our passage for tonight, just to remind you, we are beginning to have things uh, beginning to kick back in. Now September has come. Um, And so on Wednesday at 12.45, the Wednesday lunchtime services will resume. Of course, uh, the meeting place will be open again um, from tomorrow morning and uh, various other things that if you've got a notice sheet, if you haven't, there are a few on the way out. Pick it up, find out what's happening. But it's good that tonight is one of those moments where we're restarting in a form in presence uh, where we can meet with one another and we're going to continue with various other things as the weeks roll on. Matt, come and read our Bible passage, please. Good evening, church. So um, our Bible reading this evening is taken from Isaiah chapter 43, starting at verse 1 through to 21. God is always with his people. Jacob, the Lord created you. Israel, he made you. And now he says, don't be afraid. I saved you. I named you. You are mine. When you have troubles, I am with you. When you cross rivers, you will not be hurt. When you walk through fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not hurt you. That's because I, the Lord, am your God. I, the Holy One of Israel, am your Saviour. I gave Egypt to pay for you. I gave Ethiopia and Seba to make you mine. You are precious to me. And I have given you a special place of honour. I love you. That's why I am willing to trade others, to give up whole nations, to save your life. So don't be afraid, because I am with you. I will gather your children and bring them to you. I will gather them from the east and from the west. I will tell the north, give my people to me. I will tell the south, don't keep my people in prison. Bring my sons and daughters to me from the faraway places. Bring to me all the people who are mine, the people who have my name. I made them for myself. I made them and they are mine. Bring out the people who have eyes but are blind. Bring out the people who have ears but are deaf. All people and all nations should also be gathered together. Which of their gods said this would happen? Which of their gods would tell what happened in the beginning? They should bring their witnesses. The witnesses should speak the truth. This will show they are right. The Lord says, You people are my witnesses, and the servant I chose. I chose you so that you would help people believe me. I chose you so that you would understand that I am he. I am the true God. There was no God before me, and there will be no God after me. I myself am the Lord, and there is no other saviour. I am the one who spoke to you, saved you, and told you those things. 
I was not some stranger who was with you. You are my witnesses and I am God. This is what the Lord himself said. I have always been God. When I do something, no one can change what I have done. And no one can save people from my power. The Lord, the Holy One of Israel, saves you. And he says, I will send armies to Babylon for you. Many people will be captured. Those Chaldeans will be taken away in their own boats. They are so proud of those boats. I am the Lord, your Holy One. I made Israel. I am your King. God will save his people again. The Lord is making roads through the sea. He is making a path for his people, even through rough waters. The Lord says, Those who fight against me with their chariots, horses, and armies will be defeated. They will never rise again. They will be destroyed. They will be put out like the flame in a lamp. So don't remember what happened in earlier times. Don't think about what happened a long time ago, because I am doing something new. Now you will grow like a new plant. Surely you know this is true. I will even make a road in the deserts, and rivers will flow through that dry land. The wild animals will thank me. The large animals and birds will honor me when I put water in the desert and make rivers flow through the dry land. I will do this to give water to my chosen people. I made them, and they will sing songs of praise to me. Amen. I don't know about you, whether you're reading the, word, or what, reading the words as Matt was reading them from his version down there, but it was lovely to see, in a sense, the contrast and yet the, the familiarity between the two sets of words. Thank you, Matt. That was really helpful. One of the, uh, on the first Sunday of uh, the month, we're going to gather around the word and uh, we're going to do that in the form of a, of a study of a length of a passage that uh, we are looking at. Next week, the second Sunday in the month, we're going to have a focus on prayer and the third week we're going to be gathering around the table as we share in communion. And then the fourth week, we're going to gather around coffee and, and, and drinks as we have a different um, format. A bit, if you were here when we were chatting with Andy and Rihanna, just to kind of catch up with people and uh, a whole variety of people that will be in the coming weeks. So we hope that you'll like the different formats that we have uh, in the weeks ahead. But tonight, we are gathering around God's Word, and we're looking particularly at this passage from Isaiah 43. And I was looking at it, and I was reminded of that a lovely old hymn. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And I don't know if you in your head were singing those words as I was saying them. But if we are familiar with the second verse... It goes on to say, though none go with me, I still will follow. And there's that almost a sense as we sing that, those words of singing them with defiance, singing them with gusto. doesn't matter what's going to happen. I'm going to follow Jesus. We're declaring in those words that we are faithful to God, that God is strong. He's making us strong. He's making us courageous. He's making us bold. And when we're standing in a church setting and we're singing our praises out to God, 
that moment when we became a Christian, we declare that we are going to follow Jesus. And then we leave this place. Or we leave that setting where together we were affirming our boldness to follow Jesus. And sometimes we begin to falter. Sometimes in our quiet times we doubt. We may have decided to follow Jesus at that moment when we first gave our life to God. But when things begin to go wrong, as we've said so many times... We find it hard to follow Jesus. We almost become stuck. We become stuck because we're not growing as our disciples, perhaps because of something that's happened to us in the past. We get stuck in our faith, perhaps because of what's going on in our present circumstances. And we're struggling to find God today. We maybe have got stuck in our faith because of our heritage or our upbringing or whatever's going on or because of fear and so the list goes on. And although when we sang those words out, perhaps I have decided to follow Jesus, our intentions are honorable and good, but we can find it hard. And our key verses for tonight's passage is those from verses 18 and 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And maybe for some of us tonight, we need to be reminded again that God does new things. You would all have heard people preach on this passage in the past. It's not a new message. But for some of us tonight, we need to be reminded of it. For some of us in time to come, we need to be reminded of it. And we might bring this passage back to mind. For some of us, we have been reminded of it in the past. I don't know if on a cold winter's day, you like me wonder if winter will ever, if spring, winter will ever go and spring will ever come. I don't know if you felt like that over the last few days when it's just been grey, grey, grey. And isn't it been lovely to see the sun shine today? And we will know that in the midst of the darkness of winter, and you see those first signs of spring, bulbs pushing up through the earth that spring is coming or you hear the geese flying overhead as they come back into these areas where they'll settle for the summer you think yes spring is coming again we're not always going to be cold as winter so often makes us and when we move from winter into spring from spring into summer from summer into autumn and then back into winter again, we are reminded of that ceaseless timing of God's creation. The reminder that God holds all things in his hands. If we think about Genesis 8, when God says to Noah, never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood, Never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, sea time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. That is the promise 
from our God. And as we look at the wonderful um, pictures behind us that we've been focusing on this August, where God has poured out his blessings, where we remind us that he'll be with us in the wilderness and he'll be with us in the hard times and he'll bless us and yet we'll have that whole variety. We're reminded, as we have been reminded, when we need to continue to praise God even when things are difficult, that we aren't living today as defeated Christians even though sometimes that's how we live. But we're living a life as a Christian where we should be able to find joy and kindness and gentleness and patience and victory and boldness and faith simply because we know our God is alive and alive forevermore. And yet we can live a life where we grumble. Ian was touching on that this morning. Where we grumble and complain where we judge and are critical, where we can undermine decisions or very quick to point out failures in others. We point out the things we don't like rather than having that attitude of thankfulness and praise that we've been challenged about. And I'm not talking about those instances where we know we've done wrong, we've said something we shouldn't and we've asked for forgiveness because we know God will forgive us at those times. But I'm talking about when our whole lifestyle is one where we're not living as God would wish. Where we have lost the joy of being a Christian, of knowing God in our lives. Where our prayer life has become dry. Where our testimony of how God is working in our lives isn't ever present, but refers back to a time in our past. I'm talking about how when we declare ourselves to be a Christian and our lives aren't reflecting that in its day-by-day life. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And perhaps... All those years ago when the Israelites needed to be reminded of that, we too need to have our hope reawakened and invite God once again to refresh us and renew us and embolden us. And perhaps as we look at this passage in detail tonight, we will be able to say that to God tonight. Come in and refresh me, God. Come in and reinvigorate me. Come in and give me that joy once again in my walk with you. And so, this book, this chapter in Isaiah. I don't know how you feel about the book of Isaiah. I don't know which particular school of thought you follow with regard to Isaiah. For some, some of us, we will believe that the book of Isaiah was written by the prophet Isaiah, that great 8th century prophet. But for some of us, we will believe that the book of Isaiah was written by more than one person. And in a sense, you get that because the first 1 to 39 verses deal with Jerusalem in the 8th century. And then chapters 40 to 55, the section we're looking at now, focus in on the exile of the Jews in Babylon around 597 to 538 B.C. 
And then the last few chapters, from chapters 56 to 66, refer to the situation in Jerusalem after the exiles had been returned, but before the city walls had been rebuilt. There are arguments, whichever one of those schools of thought you prefer to follow. But maybe like me, you think they're going to be arguing about this for an awful lot longer. And actually, what's important is what's God saying to me tonight from this passage. And so, as we look at verse 43, verse 1 of chapter 43, we start with just two words. But now. If we look at the but now, we realize that actually Isaiah here, it's because of the way that our Bibles are laid out, it, it, Isaiah is just continuing what he's been previously saying about Israel and their past, about their history and all that's gone before them, and how in all of it God has been involved. And the but now connects with all that's gone on before. And if we just glimpse back briefly into uh, chapter 42, we can see that Israel is being revealed as being blind in verse 19, as being inattentive in verse 20, of falling short of the Lord's plan in verse 21, of being defeated in verse 2, of being disobedient and sinful in verse 24, of being spiritually uncomprehending and insensitive in verse 25. And if I was to ask you right now to discuss with your neighbor how you have followed or not followed those particular sections? Have we been blind this week? Have we been inattentive to God this week? Have we fallen short of the Lord's plan this week? Have we been living lives as defeated Christians this week? Have we been disobedient to God and sinful this week? I'm sure none of you would want to have that conversation with the person next door. So you'll be pleased to know I'm not going to ask you that to do that. But have we? Have we been inattentive to God? Have we been sinful? Are we living a life as God would have wished us to do? But now we see in this verse 1 of chapter 43, but now we go on to be reminded of what and who God is. This is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear. For I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. That's what Isaiah was saying to them from God. Reminding them of the whole of the history, if you like, of the Old Testament. Not that they had it in this format. God is with you. You are his. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. How many of us prefer to be called by our name rather than by, all right, dearie, or sir, or love, or madam? It's much nicer, isn't it, to be called by our names. And as we've looked before at the names of God, we see it encapsulates so many different characteristics of God and our names have often been chosen for us, particularly in some more cultures, more than perhaps our white British culture, to reflect different characteristics. 
but it's nice to be called by name rather than referred to as someone's wife or husband, parent or child, sister or brother, colleague or whatever context it is. This passage starts off by telling us we are known by God. He knows us. He's called us. If we look at other passages in the Bible, we see that echoed again and again and again. 1 John 3, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. You are a child of God. You're a son and a daughter of God tonight. And he knows your name. Romans 8, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Or Galatians 3, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Again, a an heir and a co-heir with Christ. And those lovely, pass- those lovely verses in Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Right at the beginning of this passage tonight, we have been told, as the Israelites were told all those years ago, that we are known by God. And God knows what is going on in our lives. Whatever you are passing through, God is there with you. That's what it says in the next verse. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. If you are facing difficulty tonight, repeat those verses every minute before you go to sleep, reminding you that God is with you. He will not leave us. No matter what is going on, God is with us. The people who were hearing that message from Isaiah all those years ago were responding and listening to it in a time of exile, a time of difficulty. They'd been sent to Babylon and life was tough. In 597, we know that the Jews had been deported to Babylon. The King Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed the temple and Jerusalem and its walls, and they were living in a foreign land. They must have felt that God was an awfully long way away. Even Jeremiah, who'd been trying to encourage them to settle down in this new land, to encourage them to continue to worship God, People weren't really listening to what he was saying. Okay, some of them, like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, had got positions and authority in those royal courts. But there were people living in exile, wondering, does God really exist? And if he did, did he really care for them? And that's when again, in verse 3, you get that message, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. In just those few words, he's reminding them again that they are his people. That very use of the word your God reminds them that they are God's people and he was with them at the beginning as he is with them now. 
If we think back to the uh, chapters in Genesis and the early books, we often had that phrase, didn't we? I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And all that, we haven't got those words phrased in that way, but the very use of the word Israel would have reminded the listeners of their heritage, of being the people of God. And then, of course, we have those next few verses where we are reminded of the redemptive nature of God as they had once again led them out of Egypt and into the promised land. God wasn't going to leave them. They may have given up on God, but God hadn't given up on them. That reference to Egypt and Cush and Seba reminded them of God's hand of redemption. Even when Pharaoh was refusing to let them go, God's will prevailed. And the Israelites went free. And in verse 4, Since you are precious and honoured in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you. Again, reminding them of just how much they are loved. And that love applies to us today. We too don't need to fear. We know that in time the Israelites would soon again realize that God was powerful and mighty and that God would remain in control. And if we just read these verses through, we're reminded that again and again and again. Because as we get to verse 11, it says, I am the Lord, and apart from me, there is no Savior. They are loved. They know what God, they need to know what God is saying to them. And as we look at those verses between 8 and 13, J. Alec Mocha, one of the theologians that I was looking up, kind of saying this is a bit like if you can imagine a courtroom drama. Now, I don't know if any of you ever watched some of the courtroom dramas of the day and you kind of see the different stages of a courtroom drama. But here in verses 8 to 9, you get the sense of everybody being assembled. And then in verse 9, the issue is being stated. And then in verse 10, the witnesses from both sides have the opportunity to, to bring their case before the, before the judge. And then in verse 10 into 11, God's claim is affirmed. I, even I, am the Lord. Apart from me, there is no saviour. Until the judgment comes... I have revealed and saved and proclaimed. I am not some foreign God among you. Until verse 13. From ancient days I am he. No one can deliver out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? God was saying, I was powerful in the past and I'm going to be powerful now and I will be powerful going forwards. I am with you. And so I am going to ask you to talk to someone or to think about two questions for a moment. Can you think of an example? And to share maybe with the person next, sitting next to you or if you're sitting on your own just to think about. Do you know and how do you know that you are loved by God? My second question how do you know that you don't need to be afraid? 
So I'm going to stop talking just for a couple of minutes as I invite you to share with the people around you how do you know that you are loved by God and how do you know that you or they don't need to fear because I think you might have had enough of my voice and I'm going to have a drink to get my voice going again. So over to you. I don't, I'm not going to ask for any answers. It's just to talk through with the person next to you. Before we continue looking at the rest of the passage, we're going to stand, if we're able, and sing once again those words that remind us of the God of yesterday, today, and forever. Everlasting God. The years go by, but you're unchanging. Thank you, Sam. But, as I said, our focus tonight is on verses 18 to 19, and we've only got as far as verse 13, so let's continue. There was that great moment, wasn't there, when God led his people out of, Israel, out of Egypt. But it wasn't a one-off incident. We only need to look through the pages earlier on in our Bible to realize that God was at work with his people again and again and again. There was that covenant that I've already referred to, which God made with Noah when he promised never to destroy the world through a flood. And then there was the covenant with Abraham, that he would be the father of a great nation, and that the land of Canaan would be their land. Well, there's the covenant with David, which promised that even when individual wicked rulers would come, the royal line would continue, which of course it did with the birth of Jesus. And then, of course, we look at the book of Judges, where again and again God raised up a judge to save the people because they turned away from God again and again. And then we have the prophets, Again, where God was sending his prophets to speak his words to his people. And here in verse 14, we again hear, This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. In those six words, this is what the Lord says, we hear God speaking again. Around 550 BC, news had begun to uh, filter through to the people of Israel living in exile in Babylon that there was a new superpower afoot. Cyrus the Persian was leading this new revolt. Cyrus had rapidly risen to power following the death of his father when a tiny little kingdom of Elam on the Persian Gulf soon overtook all of Persia. It overtook its neighboring kingdoms, and by 539 BC, just 11 years after he became king, it had taken control of the south, sorry, of the east and the north of Babylon. And here, in verse 14, is what Isaiah is referring to, when he says, For your sake I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians in the ships in which they took pride. The Babylonians were proud. But this new army belonging to Cyrus of Persia meant that they were so powerful, they effectively blocked and dammed up the river Euphrates and walked into the capital of Babylon, almost taking it without a fight. But the lives that were left were turned upside down. 
the people who are left were fearful of what the future held. And I thought, how similar is that to the people of Afghanistan at this time? Verse 15, I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your King. That reminder again that God knew them. Were you reminded of that in your conversation or in that song that we've just been singing? And then verses 16 to 17 goes on to remind the listeners of that moment when Moses led the Israelites through the Red Sea and how the waters had closed over the Egyptian army that was following them and destroying them in the process. And then we get to verse 18 and 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God is almost saying to them, stop living in the past. Stop looking back to those former times when you were delivered from Egypt. Don't live like you're living in slavery now. Remember me and the way that I have delivered you. But of course we know it was because of their disobedience. We know it's because of their rebellion. We know it's because of their lack of faith. We know it's because of their lack of faithfulness. But God is saying to them, forget all of that. I am doing a new thing now. I want you to experience me afresh again. And that message applies to us today too. And we know, if we know anything about our Bible history, that Cyrus came in. And he swept away the Babylonians and the exiles were allowed to return home. And he allowed the Israelites to go back to Jerusalem and he was to, to restore their temple. And Jerusalem had its walls beginning to be rebuilt. And in verse 21, we see that they would proclaim their praise to their God once again. But we see again as we continue reading through the book of Isaiah. Once again, they were disobedient. So much so, in fact, that actually we know that Jesus had to be sent to set us free from the captivity of sin and despair. What about us? What can we learn tonight? What can we take away? Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. It was interesting that another of the books I was looking at was written by a former minister of Upton Vale, with a church where Ian grew up. And he tells of an encounter between a missionary in Rwanda who'd met some African Christians. This is how he records it in his book. And they asked, these African Christians asked the missionary, have you been saved? And the missionary explained, yes, he'd been saved many years before. Praise the Lord, they said. Now tell us, what has Jesus been saving you from today? And the missionary had no answer to that. Have we got an answer to that today?
Hopefully for us, our salvation isn't dependent on something that's happened a long time ago and hasn't, basically our Christian faith hasn't impacted on our lives ever since. But walking with God day by day is something that is real. And Jesus has been talking to us and answering our prayers as much today as he did all those years ago when we became a Christian and through our lives. Have we been attentive to his voice? Have we been attentive in each of our days? Are we looking for his leading? Are we waiting for those new things that he may have in store for us? I wonder if, like me, you've wondered what we may have learned from the pandemic. Well, we've learned several things from the pandemic and that is that actually more people have turned to faith turned to listen to a church service have turned to prayer more than they'd ever done before we know that will be for a whole myriad of reasons but we can rejoice that people have turned to God at those times of difficulty but what about us where are we in relation to God Are we caught up in the past or are we still looking for how God can move in our lives today? If we think about our passage for the year, our church text for the year from Isaiah 55, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper and instead of briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. There's that way that we've been wanting to find ways to express joy despite what we've been living through. There have been ways we've wanted to celebrate despite how we may be feeling. And for us, we don't want, and God doesn't want us to allow things of our past or things of the present to mean that we're not living lives of joy or of hope. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. If nothing else, I feel that God is wanting to say to us now, let my spirit bubble up inside you. Like that spring that will burst forth in the wilderness, bringing with it new life, as it says in verse 19. Bringing with it a fresh start. All of us will be in a different place. All of us will have had a different journey. And maybe for some of us, we do feel a bit stuck. And maybe for some of us, we do feel that we're in a desert place. And for some of us, we'll be rejoicing because God God is good. And we can sing and shout that. But I want to finish this time of looking at this passage with a little video clip that I have just found. And it's about how the waters bring new life into a time when it is being arid and dry. And as we watch it, I want to say to each one of you, if you are feeling dry and arid and stuck and maybe finding it difficult, allow God's Spirit to wash over you as we watch this video clip right now. In the parched Rapani forest, a transformation begins. On every twig, new leaves sprout. 
The tree's dormancy is over. The woodland yawns and stretches, ready for a new season. shoots everywhere. Seeds hidden in every crack and crevice have been poised for this moment. One massive rainstorm is all they needed. In a matter of days, the desiccated land is reborn. A flush of green sweeps across the valley. And with new grass, come new grazers. Let us pray. Father God, you know the situation of each one of us here tonight. And Father God, as we've just been reminded of how with water comes new life, new shoots, new hopes. Father, we thank you that with your spirit comes a refreshment and a renewing and an awakening. Father God, for those of us who really need that touch from you this evening, help us not to look back to the past and get stuck there, but to allow that freshness to come in and to... Allow us to see the new things that you have in mind for us. New beginnings, a refreshment of our spirit, a reawakening of our ears to your voice. And Father God, as we pray for ourselves, we think of our world. Where so many parts of our world need a touch from you. And Lord, in our weakness, we cannot see what that future may look like, but we thank you that you do know because you are the God of heaven and earth. We thank you for that reminder that you know each and every person who lives in this world. You are aware of each and every situation and how that impacts on them and on us. We thank you for that reminder that we are loved. We thank you for that reminder that each person who tonight may be fearful or struggling or uncertain or facing anxiety, Lord, we pray for peace. A peace that they won't know necessarily where it's come from, but we, Lord, know because you are the God of peace. You're the Prince of Peace. You're the maker of heaven and of earth. And so, Father God, as we have spent time tonight looking at this passage, may we leave this place knowing that we're not going alone, but we can trust you. And Lord, we thank you that together we can say the words that you taught your disciples to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth.
Our time together is just about drawn to a close, but I thought, what else could we sing apart from at the end of our evening, except those words I referred to at the end from Isaiah 55, we shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. If you've got an offering and you want to bring it forward and put it in there or in the boxes as you go out, we will pray after this song for all those that have given or will give on their way out. But for now, I invite you to stand as we sing together. So we'll close with the words of the grace that we'll say to one another. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each and all of us now and forevermore. And I have remembered I was going to close with the offering. Bear with me one minute. We do pray and thank you for the gifts that have been given both tonight or through the banks or in whatever format. Lord, we pray that you'll use them to your praise and glory. Amen. 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 Thank you.